your Bible this morning, I invite you to open to chapter 55 of the book of Psalm. Psalm 55, Pastor Justin read a portion of this. We're going to look at the whole Psalm, really, and we're going to be able to consider today David's lessons on faith over fear. This week has been really not that dissimilar from a lot of weeks that we've experienced over the last couple of years, yet it has its own brand of uniqueness. For during this week, we've seen school boards tussle over curriculum with parents, and we have seen 7.2 earthquake rock Haiti. We've also seen hurricanes and tropical storms and depression ravage the south and come up the coast. Even today, New York and Boston are being hammered along the shore with rains from a storm like this. This is a real deal. And many of you are being impacted on your job and encouraged and even mandated to receive a vaccine. And it's a real problem. And just with me mentioning vaccine, you have all kinds of feelings rush through you this morning, depending on how you feel about it. And I want to say this, what we don't want to do is allow something like a vaccine to disrupt our fellowship as believers. We want to continue to look to Jesus, and we want to continue to look to Him, no matter how you feel about a vaccine. May the Lord be with all of us as we navigate this thing called life that is not easy in the day in which we live. We also are reminded, and this morning in the prayer from Pastor Dwight, when he so aptly prayed for Afghanistan, and we know that there are people in Afghanistan that are dealing with all kinds of trauma and travail today, and it's not easy to follow Christ, as there are many Christians behind all the headlines and behind all of the military and behind all of all this other stuff. There are many people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and they have not denied the name of Christ. You and I get up on a morning like this, and we kind of wonder if we want to just sleep in. Ah, we're lazy Christians, and we may choose to sleep in, and we may just choose, well, I'll just watch online. I'll duff it today, but I want to tell you this. I respect you for getting out of bed today. I respect you for taking a shower today, and I, can I get a witness in the house? And I, I really do, and I respect you for being here today. Because you are never a stranger when you're in your father's house. God loves you, and so do we. And we're so happy to be able to celebrate together. Can I get a witness somewhere in his house today? Now, over this last week, you may have your own situation that has happened, something beyond what I would know or be able to describe. And you might find yourself in the, in the recesses of these verses in chapter 55 of the book of Psalm. If you do, you're finding yourself there with David as he wrestles with emotions that he has, three strong emotions as he navigates them and he shows us how we can resolve these times of unusual anxiety and fear by going to God. Let's look at his situation here. In verses 1 through 8, we see that he is filled with anxiety. He's absolutely filled with anxiety. Maybe today you've been filled with anxiety. Something's happened in your life, maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe you're at the doctor's office this week. I don't know where. Maybe you've been hit with some kind of form of anxiety this week. David expresses his feelings here. Look at verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 55. When he begins to talk to us in this passage, he says some important things. Listen to my prayer, O God. Listen to my prayer, O God. Hear me. Don't ignore my plea. Have you ever felt like God was ignoring you? God has forgotten you. God doesn't hear your prayer. God doesn't know where you are. God's not relating to your story. David felt that way in these moments. Look what he says. Hear me and answer me, he says. My thoughts trouble me. I am distraught. 
He says, I'm absolutely worn out with this. He's feeling lonely. He's wondering if he's getting the answering machine of heaven. He's wondering if God really is awake and aware of what's going on. Or if there are more important crises somewhere else that God's giving his attention to. Or does God still remember he is here with his present reality? He's not talking to God about the bear and the lion or Goliath. He's dealt with those in the past. He had grace to deal with those in the past. He needs present grace to deal with the fear and anxiety in the present reality. In his now moment, he needs now up to date grace. He says, God, I want you to hear me now. I've come to you a million times, but here on this million and first time, God, I need you and I need you to come and help me out. I want to say to you today, he is the fourth man in the fire. And I want to tell you, he's a nightlight in the belly of the whale. And I want to tell you, he is the angel in the lion's den, keeping the lion's mouth closed. God is with you. You may go in the whale. You may go in the den. You may go in the fire. But I want to remind you that he will see a way out for you, some way that you don't see today. Our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Can I get a witness without having to ask for one? Some of you have seen a picture of the chess match. It's a famous painting called Checkmate. And on that painting, the devil's on one side, and on the other side is a young man. The young man is basically sweating bullets because the devil has cornered him. And if you've ever played chess, you know what it means to be checkmate. That means you're just about ready to get whipped. You really don't have any more moves. It looks like you're about ready to get crushed. If you've ever played that game, say yes. I've played that game. I'm no good at it. It's been so long. I don't even like to play chess anymore. It just started wearing me out. This guy was worn out in this. But there was a guy named Bobby Fischer who was a world champion. And he studied that picture for six hours. And as he looked at that picture for six hours, he then said, would someone get me a chessboard? They brought a chessboard. He set up the board to match the painting. And as he set that up, he then lifts up his head. And he says to the painting as if it could hear him, he says, I wish you could hear me because I have some good news for you. Things aren't as dark as they seem. I have some good news. I've studied the game for six hours, and I have discovered that it's all right to let the devil make his move. He can go ahead and make his move, because after he makes his move, I found that there was one more move on the board. Let him go ahead and make his move. You'll be the one who says checkmate. There's at least one more move on the board. And I want to say to you today, David understood he had one more move, and his move was to go to God. And when he went to God, he realized God would actually hear him. God would actually care about his story. God actually was aware of what was going on. Verse 3 of our passage, David felt abused because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they are bringing down suffering on me, and they assail me in their anger. In verse 4, he's afraid he's going to die. Have you ever been scared like you were going to die? Man, when I got rear-ended by a car, I thought I was going to get, I thought I was see you later. I thought the bright light might have been an angel coming to get me. I'm like, am I still alive? It was a smash and a crash. I was dead stopped in 40 miles an hour of a car slammed into the I was down here one day on 248, and then one of these trucks that hauls these dumpsters, it was coming around me. He must have been on his phone. He must have been asleep. I don't know what. I was sitting there in a little Jetta we had at the time, getting ready to turn left on the cashew. I was nuts to go home. And as I was sitting there, this truck doesn't see me, but he just swerves at the very last minute. Car's coming this way, swerved over a little bit, and he slid long tire marks 
marks where he slid and he went right around me. He didn't slow down. I had pulled over to the edge, but it's a big berm. I couldn't go nowhere. I thought my life was over. I thought this is it. Laura Kicklein's mother was sitting there and she said, I thought you were gone. Well, David had his friends. He was afraid to die in verse 5. He is shaking with fear all over his body. He thinks he's out. He thinks he's done. Look at verse 5 of your passage. If you look at verse 5, it says, he used the word here, it's used for us in the scripture, horrors had overwhelmed him. Dr. A.R. Bernard of New York City said he got COVID really bad. I don't think there's a good COVID, but he got it really bad. And he said, my brother took me to the hospital and he said, as I got there, we just saw some cars there, but nothing like normal. They had tunnels set up with tents guiding us into the hospital. But he said, my brother had to leave as one of the attendants from the hospital came to get me, put me in a chair, pushed me in. He said, they put me in a little cove for myself. He said, there was a little opening at the curtain. He said, it was just like darkness and oppression, like demonic oppression. This stuff brings on you. I talked to someone yesterday and they said, it's like a demonic oppression when they were down with this stuff. And he said, he said, I was laying there in my bed and I would see people wheel in alive. And pretty soon I would see people wheeled out with a blanket over their whole body and I knew and he said I was just overtaken and he said finally I was praying out to God in the darkness he said it's just like darkness overwhelming me and he said in those moments he said I was praying for a light and John chapter 1 is talking about in God is light he is light and in him is no variableness and he was talking about finally the Lord broke through and began to give him some hope and to give him some help it's the worst emotion it's the worst feelings it's the worst thoughts that are going through, it's thoughts of abandonment. David is no wimp. He's a man's man. He's faced Goliath. He's faced the lion. He's faced the bear. He's led military conquests. He's been a king. David is no sissy. He is ready for the battle. But in these moments, David is feeling absolutely back against the wall. And I want to say to every one of us, no matter how tough we are, no matter how cool we are, no matter all the things we say we've accomplished or people might think about us, there comes a time whenever we realize we're not all that in a box of crackers. And when we begin to realize that, we realize we've got to go to somebody bigger than us, somebody knows more than us, somebody who is able to do something we cannot do for ourselves. And some of you may be facing with a situation like that. The Lord knows all about it. Stress makes us sick. Some people say they're too blessed to be stressed, but David wasn't that blessed. He was stressed. Studies have been done. In times of emotional stress, a hormone is released in our bodies. And as it releases in our body, it attacks the good immune system that would be able to hold at bay the pathogens that would create disease in our body. They inhibit those cells from working them over. And sometimes diseases are brought on because of stress. David in Psalm 56 and verse 3 puts it this way. He says, when I am afraid. When I am afraid. What do you do when you're afraid? When you're plumb scared, what do you do? He said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And that's the news we need today. And then I notice another emotion. David is filled with anger. Have you ever been ticked? You're Dutch, I know you have. <laughs> you live ticked, sometimes you just turn it on. David was angry at his country. Verses 9 to 11. He asked God to destroy his country. He cites a problem. He said, day and night they prowl and malice and abuse is with them. 
David was angry at his friend. Verses 12 through 15. His friend now hates him. Have you ever had a friend go two-face on you? They loved you and now they hate you. They say one thing to your face. They say another thing when they get away from you. Have you ever had a friend like that? David had a friend like that. And he was absolutely troubled by this friend. What do you do whenever you have a friend like that? Verse 15 of our passage, he wants to annihilate his friend. Have you ever wanted your friend annihilated? He wants his friend taken care of. Have you ever wanted your friend taken care of? If you have, you find yourself in the pages of the Bible. You're not that different than David. David found himself very frustrated with his friend being able to change like this. I watched part of a documentary the other day, and it went too dark. I just was after a while. I've seen enough. But it was in communist Germany. And in communist Germany, during that part of the history, all kinds of people were recruited by the government to be spies. And they would spy out even on civilians to see what the civilians were doing. And it's a very dreadful time, and may this type of thing never happen to us. And times changed, and eventually the communism failed. And when it failed, and when it changed, the records were released, and family members wanted to see the files to see what was secret about them that the government knew in this one particular family that had permission to see the files. They had a brother that had died, a son that had died. And they went in and they looked into the files, and to their utter dismay, their brother who had died had been a spy and had spied on them. They felt betrayed by their own brother, by their own son. And maybe some of you have been betrayed by a spouse that has walked out, or a child that has turned against you and wants nothing else to do with you in a crowd of several hundred today. I know full well I'm speaking to people like this, and my heart goes out to you, and the heart of the Savior bleeds for you today. He cares for you. He knows the anguish and the hurt that you have. But this passage is dark. And right here it begins to turn when we look at that last emotion that David experiences. He's already alluded to it, but now it begins to shine through in a little brighter way. We begin to move from the floor of the dungeon toward the ceiling. Somehow we're coming out. We begin to move from the base of the floor of the forest to where we're moving above the canopy now to see if we can have some kind of of a breakthrough experience. David was filled with hope. Everybody say hope. He is filled with hope. Verses 16 through 18. He reaches out to his lifeline God, and he believes God is hearing him after all. And I believe God is hearing you. I don't know what you're hearing God say, but David prayed boldly. Have you ever prayed boldly to God? You're down on your knees like the song said a minute ago, and your hands are lifted up, and you said, God, without you, we're in trouble. This boat will go down. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. We're fixed on you. David is looking in these moments and praying boldly. I remind you of a Bible verse, but to some it might be brand new. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Aren't you glad he's willing to let us come in in our time of need? I'm so glad he's not just a God who says, when it's all going well, come check in with me. But he says to us, you can come and check in even if it isn't going so good. And in James chapter 5 and verse 16, he says it this way. The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I noticed something else. David prayed in faith. He prayed in faith. 
he thought God could somehow come through. Oh, he wanted to tell God how too, but he realized he didn't always know the best way. He, he just, he wanted God to come through some way through this. Your marriage has hit a bump. Maybe one of the potholes over here in the South lot, <laughs> but your marriage has hit a bump. Can you pray? Can you trust God one more time? Your child has gone the wrong way, a long way. Can you trust God and pray and believe your work is challenging you right now, and some of you can hardly think it's Sunday because you're so worried about Monday. Can you trust God in this moment and pray? David sends up a prayer to God in the midst of his struggles. When he's whipped by exhaustion and he's absolutely decimated, he musters up enough courage to believe there's a God somewhere who's going to hear him. God has a track record. And David also understood the righteousness of God. Verses 19 through 21, look at it. History indicates that God will act in his time. He did part the waters of the Red Sea, but the army was breathing down their back, and the water was ready to swallow them up, and then the waters parted. He was the fourth man in the fire, but they were in the fire before the fourth man was in the fire. Daniel was in the den, but I tell you what, he was in the den. Feet had hit the floor before he realized that the Lord is surrounding him with his presence. He was the nightlight that gave reason to Jonah in the whale, but Jonah was in the whale before he saw the nightlight, the light of hope that God would give to him. He is a fourth man in your fire. He is the angel in your den. He remembers where you are today, and he's not giving up on you. Don't give up on yourself, and don't give up on your God. Present happenings demand that God should act. I've been reminding God of some of the dilemmas some of you are in, the vaccine dilemma that some are faced with. Our brothers and sisters over in Afghanistan, 20 pastors were contacted by a lawyer to get them out of Afghanistan, get their families out of Afghanistan. And we received in our district the news briefing this week that those 20 pastors and their families said, we're going to stay, we're not going to abandon our congregation. They know a faith I haven't understood yet. They know God in a way I don't know God. David understood God that way. They could relate to what is happening right here in this passage. And if you're watching us today, I want to give you a lifeline. God Almighty is still on your side. He has not abandoned you. Our cousin and his wife, professors, and been professors in Afghanistan. And they're stateside now, but a number of years ago. And some of the ladies confided in them and said, we know what happens whenever the opposition takes over. We know what will happen to us. Pray that we'll have strength to endure it when we're violated and when we're abused. David's enemies were unbelievers, verse 19. David's enemies were dishonest. It demands God to do something. David's enemies are deceitful in verse 21. They're deceiving. And without God and without the hope God gives, David is absolutely annihilated. He is whipped. Some of our people in Haiti were trying to get goods over into the area that was more damaged, but gangs were blocking the way. I was standing here singing today and praying, God, turn the hearts of the gang members, somehow wake them up and give them favor to where our people can get through. What would happen if our enemies turned and became our allies? What would happen if the Holy Spirit would sweep in revival over these countries that seemed so dark and foreboding and so, so lost? God have mercy. This morning, in a book, Breakfast with Billy Graham, 
the devotion was talking about praying for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Pray for them every day. The bully at school, the neighbor that is absolutely obnoxious and doing who knows what out of their house. Pray for them. And pray that God will not just be with them, but He'll turn them. And then in turning them, they'll come to faith in Him and be transformed to Him, and that He will bless them indeed, just like you want them to bless you. Look at what happens here in verses 22 and 23 of the passage in Psalm 55. David remembered the retribution of God. Cast your cares on the Lord, verse 22 says, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be forsaken. But you, you God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay and the bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, as for me, I will trust in you. I will trust in you, God. When I don't see a way, when the night is dark and I'm in the hospital with COVID, I will trust in you. I will trust in you, Lord. Whenever I'm in Afghanistan or when I'm in Haiti and I don't know what to do, I will trust in you, God. Dr. Henry Cloud in the book, Law of Happiness, said a monkey study was done several years ago. A study about stress and anxiety. A monkey was put in a cage. Lights were strobing. And there was loud clanging and crashing noises. And then they brought the monkey out and they tested its blood, and the anxiety was really, really high, pegged. They put a second monkey in the cage. When they put the second monkey in the cage, they repeated the tests, lights flashing, clanging, loud sounds, and then they tested the blood for anxiety, and they found it was reduced by half. I want to encourage you, you're not alone today. Get somebody to come alongside you. Be part of one of our small groups. We've got a lot of them going on right now. We don't advertise heavy, but we'll tell you we have a lot going on. And if you want to be part of one, let us know. And we've got a lot of people that are willing to stand by and pray for one another. And you don't have to go through it alone. There can be somebody with you. But I want to tell you what. You've got a fourth man in your fire. And you've got someone in your boat. And someone in your den. And someone who knows where... You are today, and his name is God. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And he is not weak, but he knows where you are today. How many of you have ever been to Stroudsburg? Lift your hand if you've been to Stroudsburg. How many of you have ever heard of Stroudsburg? Lift your hand. <laughs> Few of you don't get out of town. Anybody ever not get out of Cherryville? Poor you. I'll take you on a ride someday. We'll get out of Cherryville. You need to get out of town once in a while. Stroudsburg, is that 30 minutes from here? Maybe. If I get in a little chariot, traffic's good and I fly, it's about 30. Yeah. You can be there in about 30 minutes. Everybody say 30 minutes. I know you're awake. Any of you like the month of December? Lift your hand. All right, some of you are messed up. No, I like, I like December. I, I like the 24th candlelight services are special. 
and I like Christmas. I wish we'd get three inches of snow on Christmas Eve only. Just enough so when Santa puts that sled down, he doesn't mess up our roof. And then it can melt the next day and we're all good. Can I get a witness? No. <laughs> I got one up here anyway. <laughs> okay, we're in the month of December. Now we're in Stroudsburg. If you're there, say yes. All right, so we're in Stroudsburg, month of December. How many of you have ever been to the zoo and you've seen a bear? Raise your hand. Yeah, look at that. A lot of people. How many of you ever wanted to feed a person to the... No, not really. (laughs) Um, How many of you have ever seen a bear out in the wild, like at your house or somewhere? Like, look at all these hands going up. A lot of people, you've seen it. I have not yet done that. I want to do it. You have one show up at your house, call the office, I'll come. I want to see it. Might be gone by the time I get there. We'll hunt for it. I'll drive my convertible. We can see it better. (laughs) So we're in Stroudsburg. It's in December. And we've got little kids that like to play outside. And it's good enough weather they can be outside. We're in a house chilling. Okay? We're in a house chilling. This was a case with Pedro Sanville in 2005, December, Stroudsburg. Kids were out playing. You may have read the story in the news. If you did, you know what I'm telling. Kids came running back in the house. Dad! What? There's a bear under the porch. No, there's not a bear under the porch. He gets up and goes out and starts looking. He had forgotten to put the board across the end of the thing. The bear are finding dens, and a big bear has crawled under his porch. He is absolutely freaked out. He says it's like a bomb that's about to go off. He is scared. Now, what would you do if you had this happen to you? Somebody in the first service cocked their gun. We don't want to come see you in the clink. It's not bear season. So what would you do? He called the game commission and said, I have a bear. It's big. It's five, 600 pounds. Bear underneath my porch. And I need you to come and help me. They were like, really? And then they were out at his house and they said, really? Wow. They put that thing to sleep even further. And then you don't want to poke a sleeping bear, right? And then they pulled it out and realized it was indeed a five to six hundred pound bear. And he said, it was like a bomb under our house. And then they took it out. He said, I just pray it goes in the wood. And he sealed up that end of the porch so nothing else, no weapon formed against him would prosper. Some of you last night had a bear in your living room or in your bedroom or in your basement and you couldn't sleep because of it. You stressed the night away. I know that feeling. You tried to pray, but you could hardly. You wanted to think of a song. Nothing was online. No TV shows that night. Any good. There you are saying what to do, and you came here today hoping that the minister would say something, or the songs would say something, or a prayer, or a scripture, or a friend's smile, or something, or just being around holy people would give you the uplift you need. I'm here to tell you today, you've got one more lifeline. There is one who knows where you are, and he knows about the bear under your porch. 
He knows about the bear in your living room. He knows about the bear at work. He knows about the bear in your country. He knows about the bear wherever it is. He's not overwhelmed. Call on the game commission of heaven and let God be God. Let him stand tall and watch him show up in his hour of need. He knows where you are. He's got your address. Don't be surprised when he performs some kind of good deed in your life. And you'll be ready to give him the praise, right? When he shows up and shows off. Because that's the God we know.